Hello everyone and welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we've got John. John, how's it going? <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. solid. It's a, a great week for the nation of Serbia. It uh, looks as if Nikola Jokic is going to win the NBA final. Well, not Nikola Jokic, but the Denver Nuggets led by Nikola Jokic. And Novak Djokovic just won the French Open. So, yeah. Good for him. One of the best tennis players of our generation. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the best. So, yeah. Cap City Crown, just give it a big, uh, big hug to the nation of Serbia. We love you. Where's uh, where's Nikola Jovic from? Jovic? He's from Serbia, too. Those Serbians, you know? Good at basketball. But yeah, the Nuggets winning. The Nuggets, yeah. The gentleman sweep, probably. I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 we're recording before the game. I'm just going to assume the Nuggets are going to win tonight. The Nuggets win the series 4-1, to one, but they're just going to lose. <laughs> just drop the, the rest of the series. Jimmy Butler will be enshrined into NBA history. Jimmy Butler. You like Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I've always liked Jimmy Butler. I like Jimmy. I, I, I don't know. Kind of sick of the hype, though. We get it. He takes the heat to the, the finals again. I don't know. <laughs> I get it. It's an eight seed. It's cool. Or, yeah, but they were even like... I honestly didn't think they were even going to make it past the play-in. But no. they just were playing good basketball in the season. Hmm. That's the heat for you. They're just always good. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. Seriously. They can do it with anyone. I mean, I like Jimmy Butler. I think anybody that plays both sides of the ball yeah. is, is is worthy of praise. That's very true. And he, I mean, he started on the defensive end. And Jimmy Butler, remember Jimmy Butler in Chicago? Yeah. Those were some fun Chicago teams. Yeah, Noah, Joakim Noah, Butler, Derek Rose. Boozer. Boozer, Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson. Kirk Heinrich. Yeah. Yeah, who else was on those teams? Uh, like uh, Tony Schnell? Tony Schnell. Tony Schnell was on those teams. Um, I don't know. Mike Dunleavy? Mike Dunleavy, yeah. He reminds me of, um, who's that guy on the Bucks? The other white guy. Oh, Pat Connaughton? <laughs> yeah. It's like a short first name and it's a long last name. It's an Irish last name with the... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's white. And just, they just shoot. Mike Dunleavy might be the GM of the Warriors. By the really? The summer. Yeah. Or it's going to be Joe Lacob's son, which will give a lot of conversation to us just with, uh, you know, and Jolly Ranadive. Oh <laughs> Could be a, a sick foreshadowing of what's to come. Joe Lacob's son might take over, really? Yes. I think that might be more of like a juicy kind of topic. But it's definitely a consideration, definitely a possibility from what I understand. But a lot of people are talking about it like kind of just, I mean, like the Warriors are in panic right now. So every conversation about the Warriors here in the Bay Area is just like, it's like self-defeating and masochistic. So it's just like they really are, I don't know if they're eating it up, but they're really diving into kind of those kinds of storylines. Like, But that makes sense. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't look great for the Warriors right now. In terms, no. of, they're at a major crossroads. Yeah, I'm interested to see what their offseason looks like. Yeah, I guess that depends on who their GM ends up being. But it seems like whoever the GM is going to be is going to be a little more oriented towards what Joe Lake would like, which might honestly orient them towards easing up on the salary tax mm-hmm. or the luxury tax, rather, because. Is Joe Lacob going to go somewhere else, or is he just going to take a break? You mean uh, Bob Myers? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I figured. But I imagine he'll end up going somewhere else, maybe not this season. Like, the whole excuse of, like, getting let go or, like, leaving is like, yeah, I need to spend more time with my family. I'm like, man, where have I heard that one before? Uh, you hear it all the time, which... Obviously, it wasn't the main reason for the parting. I mean, that guy's obviously going to get a job as a GM sooner than later. I'm sure people are blowing up his phone. So I would imagine eventually he'll go somewhere. It might not be for the upcoming season, though. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I could just see it next year. You'll have something where there's a coaching vacancy. This people want to redo it. You'll probably see like Bob Myers go be the GM somewhere. They'll bring in Doc Rivers as a coach or something because Doc Rivers didn't get a job for no who who was the new coach of um who just got hired in Philly Philly yeah it was like the nurse no no the someone else got hired was it the Raptors they hired someone it was like an assistant coach yeah the Raptors hired uh was it the oh yeah I forget that's I forget his name was it the Raptors though I don't know what were the what were the coaching vacancies Toronto Milwaukee Phoenix Philadelphia dang there's a lot and the Raptors oh the Raptors yeah they hired Darko uh Rajakovich. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. From where? Where was he? One of those former Yugoslavian states. <laughs> or like, what was he doing beforehand? He was an assistant coach on a team before this. Yeah, I think for Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because Toronto just wanted to go international because they also had the Italian guy and Jordi Fernandez as their candidates. Oh, well. Yeah. And frickin' Nick Nurse has taken Bobby Jackson with him. Yeah, take Bobby Jacks. So good for Bobby Jackson. I always anticipated last season when Mike Brown was coming in. And I guess it was never really going to happen because it's like, I'm sure Mike Brown was like, yeah, okay, I'll take on Christie, but I'm going to fill out my own staff. But I kind of was hoping that Bobby Jackson would move up or, I mean, for the King's sake, at least stay with Stockton because it sounded like he was a really good developmental coach down there in the G League. Was Bobby Jackson an assistant coach with the Kings? Like, I want to say he was. Like, maybe before this all happened. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But I, that doesn't sound out of out of the realm of belief. Yeah, I know. I, I forget if I'm crazy or not. But I want to say... Yeah, he was a Sacramento Kings assistant between 2011 and 2013. Okay, and he yeah. he became the Stockton Kings head coach uh, from 2021 to the end of the season. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you found that easily because I just typed in Bobby Jackson, King's assistant coach. It's just like, yeah, he's going to the Sixers. You know, Bobby Jackson. Like, I feel like I've been asked before, uh, like, who is who's your favorite Kings player in history? And I always kind of blank, and I always just like say something like, like Jason Williams, even though I was very young when Jason Williams was on the Kings, like to the point where I wouldn't have even really remembered him. But you kind of grow up seeing the '55 Williams jerseys and kind of has its own like lore to it. But Bobby Jackson was just always the, the coolest guy. Like one of my earliest memories was him being sixth man of the year. And he was a stud. Bobby Jackson was exciting. Yeah. I remember my earliest memory of Bobby Jackson was uh he went for a ball in the stands and landed <laughs> like, like next to a girl and she kissed him. What a stud. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm looking at his picture on Wikipedia right now. You should pull that up. You just, okay. I love this picture of Bobby Jacks. It looks great in purple, too. Which is another thing that's kind of going on with the Kings. I heard there was a rumor that uh, because they're, they've been hinting at that logo change. Mm-hmm. And someone, I think, posted they'd heard from a source from the, uh, not the dugout store, the like merchandise store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're, moving away, they're moving more towards black as the color. I mean, it seemed like black was already their color lately they, they wear those black jerseys like two-thirds of the time yeah i've been calling for a king's color rebrand forever now the, those the purple i don't mind the purple per se i just hate the color purple they have right now and their jerseys are just i think they're hideous i think they're just the most generic looking jerseys they stop with the sack stuff just, just say sacramento and stop mm-hmm. with the sack town stuff as well I, I think they just need like a whole redesign I don't know. They just, they just keep rebranding to like older stuff. Like their current logo is when they reintroduced that or introduced that in what, 2016 when the Golden One Center opened. It was just like, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a copy of their older logo with some modern tweaks. And all this new Kings logo is, is just like the old Kings cursive font, <laughs> like just modernized a little bit. So, I mean, I don't hate it, but it's just like, all right. You're going to like do a redesign, do a redesign. Don't just keep stealing from the past. That's how I kind of feel, but they need new jerseys big time. I'm so sick of the ones they have now. They're, I think they're terrible. I hate them. 
Yeah, I was kind of surprised they didn't do a rebrand last offseason just because I felt like it was there was a pretty palpable feel to kind of the page turning to the next season that things were going to be really different. I felt like symbolically that would have been really good. But, I mean, I guess you could do it now. It does kind of seem like you don't want to judge it until you kind of see everything, but it it, it doesn't it wouldn't excite me. If I really, if I was one to really care about this stuff, it would not excite me. The little cursive thing, like, okay, it's like, like, would you commission somebody twenty bucks to make that? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I saw it. I'm like, whatever. In my opinion, it's like either go to the old stuff or don't. Like, don't like, tw- like, make your own modern twist on it. Like, I think it looked fine before. I think it honestly looked better before. I think it, I'd rather have the old king's cursive than the new one the old king's logo than the modern one like the like the red and blue one with like the long like the taller crown uh spikes or whatever you call it um i don't know it just look better i think they're just making it worse yeah <laughs> they should just bring back the um 90s early 2000s logo and all that stuff i know i mean that's the one that everybody i mean obviously you kind of want to chart your own path probably but I don't know. There's they're gonna be taking from some segment of the franchise's past going forward. Mm-hmm. But who knows? They could end up unveiling the jerseys and whatnot and they could look cool. <laughs> I don't know though. It's interesting. But just changing something, just giving something someone uh giving someone something new to buy, it's just people are gonna be inclined to buy it, whether it's exceptionally cool or kind of underwhelming yeah of course and so at the end of the day it's a business move yeah sell new but again symbolically i felt like last season would have been better going into this season you know yeah what can you do but (laughs) getting getting a little more into the kings even though it is kind of the kings but um what do you what do you got today john what do you want to talk about more prospects yeah, the the draft is a little over a week away. I know, huh? Next Thursday, huh? Like, yeah, Thursday. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's just like I don't know. June seems like it's just racing by. Uh, yeah. Felt like it just started, but yeah, we covered some prospects last week, and upon review, I mean, especially being late in the first round, it seems like, especially as you shuffle through different mock drafts and whatnot. It's like kind of a log jam outside the lottery. Even some late lottery names are kind of like moving back or popping up. And it seems like every mock draft, I mean, like there's a good prevalence of Kings picking Chris Murray at 24 still, but. A lot of mock drafts have him going to the Kings. Yeah. And then if it's not, it's not usually a specific name. Like it's, it's, it's different every time I think mm-hmm. like. Yardbreakers got Chris Murray. SB Nation's got Jaime Aquas uh, out of UCLA, which is interesting. The Ringers got Chris Murray. Okay, so they're all Chris Murray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this Bleacher Report one, though, has Jet Howard. Now, that's probably a good place to start because Jet Howard out of Michigan is a guy that I kind of always thought, especially a couple of weeks ago, that that guy was like a late lottery pick. Like, there's no use in even kind of like putting him in the prospect lists because I didn't really envision him falling in these mock drafts. I mean, I think that one, the ringer one that I just mentioned, they have Jed Howard going 28 to Utah. So there's a good chance the Kings could get a really good shooter. Now, obviously, they could get like Bryce Sensabaugh or Brandon Podzminski, who are also very good shooters that might be available when the Kings are there, but Jed Howard, I mean, like that's kind of his strength is shooting, both catch and shoot, shooting off the dribble, just an absolutely smooth, quick release, just looks terrific doing it, can do it off a of movement, do little fakes, step back, hit shots. I mean, he's just a, a versatile shot maker. You'd also be getting a bit of a secondary creator. <laughs> and you hear this a lot about prospects. It's like, yeah, you know, he would be able to run out of the pick and roll. And it's just like, will he even do that in the NBA? So I don't know about necessarily Jed Howard trying to be a secondary ball handler on the Kings, but as a floor spacer, he would definitely do that. The 
question, of course, as with a lot of these guys that shoot, is would he be able to defend in the NBA? And again, kind of going on to the typical issue there is, especially from the wing position coming into the draft, is you'll hear this a lot. You, he's not quick enough to guard to or to stay in front of quick guards in the NBA, and he's also not got the frame that's strong enough to guard bigger forwards. But Jed Howard's got some form of a chance. I mean, he's 215 pounds, not a huge frame on him. I think like by year two or year three, he won't have any issues with the frame. But the quickness thing can be kind of an issue because he is a bit of a subpar athlete. And um, in terms of his playmaking ability and dribbling and scoring off the dribble and stuff like that, as a righty, he's extremely right-hand dominant and does not use his left hand very well. But as an off-ball offensive player, get some coaching on him, you get a situation where you could have a pretty good contributor and at a position that I feel like the Kings haven't really like packed. Like you see them at the guard position. They'll you got last season you had Terrence Davis kind of as a surplus asset. Coming into the season, the, the center position looked like it was full of depth that didn't quite pan out, but you never hear that about the wing position for the Kings. Never is it even like <laughs> hypothesized that they're going to come in with a lot of depth there. And I think if you're talking about a situation where, I mean, even if they bring back Barnes or they replace him with somebody, you know, you got Kessler Edwards off the bench, great defender. And he's also a good shooter, adequate shooter. You'd imagine that he'll be able to provide that stretchability. But, you know, to complement that with a sharpshooter like Jet Howard would be great. And again, there was little thought in my mind that Jet Howard could even go to the kings again it was like one of those names where i'm just like yeah whatever but you just see it kind of this musical chairs in terms of mock drafts these guys there's a lot of good players here like i said it's a bit of a log jam outside the lottery basically between like pick 15 to like pick 35 it could go in any order so the kings could end up with somebody like jet howard who in some mock drafts is like a 14th 15th 16th pick so it's interesting. It's very volatile in terms of where these guys are projected to go, but mm-hmm. so different from years past. It just I don't know because you know the last couple of years it's been okay. Like who we? I mean, I guess Halliburton and Mitchell were a little higher than I guess Kings fans are used to. We're usually like top ten, um, and Mitchell was what nine. I think he was nine. Yeah. Nine. So I guess he's top ten. But I mean, it's a lot easier to pick top nine top 10 than it is like trying to figure out who we can get at 24 so many more prospects to look at now it's such a big pool of players absolutely and it's such a like i said i feel like this draft has a lot of like it has a lot of guys that you know have shooting or defense or something like that that can make a big difference in the nba sooner rather than later and then there's also guys that have like are a little bit more developmental projects but very very high ceilings so it's like there's a lot to like in that lot and it's kind of bigger than usual maybe. And it is a weird position in terms of covering the Kings as to who it might be. I mean like Jed Howard having to talk about Jed Howard when I didn't include him in any of the initial prospects prospect lists again, speaks to the volatility of what these projections are and how things will go. But definitely got to keep in mind and young too. I think that's something that's interesting is, a shooter with a high ceiling because he's only 19 uh, as a freshman at Michigan. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, you know, another uh, shooter that uh, came out of Michigan late in the first round was Jordan Poole. So (laughs) that's true. I don't know. That that doesn't really carry the same allure as saying something like, yeah, you might be able to get a center late in the first round, like uh, Walker Kessler. Like, that's nice. That's You hear that, that's nice. You, know, you might get a player like Jordan Poole late in the first round. Like, do we want that? I don't know. Character-wise, that's always a little bit more of an enigma to us outsiders. I mean, for, you know, for one thing, I, Monte. Monty? Whatever. Just call him McNair. Come on. <laughs> Mr. McNair. You can call him Monte. Um, uh, you know he's going to he's gonna draft someone with a, a, a high character. So work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. That's why I like that. Chris Murray. I, I just, after seeing Keegan's work ethic and his, his character, I, it just makes more and more sense. Him coming to sack if he's available. I, I think if he is available, they'll take him. It's just, that's the biggest question. But I'm also just interested to know. It's like, even if he's available, it's like, who else is available though? 
That's true. It's very interesting. That's what I think makes makes this so intriguing. Because I felt like last year there was a feeling in everybody's hearts, especially in like the last few weeks before the draft. It's like when like people were coming out and saying like, yeah, uh, Jay Nivey hasn't really talked to the Kings, hasn't really worked out for the Kings, all this stuff. And he was really the only option at four other than Chris than uh, Keegan Murray. And so it came to a point where it was like, okay, pretty clear that the Kings are going to draft Keegan Murray. But it was like, well, now we have a week and a half before the draft and we need to talk about something, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. Uh, this one has, I guess, a little bit more legitimacy in the variance of potential prospects there. You know, it could be Chris Murray. It could be anybody. I mean, you did a mock draft with, I think, other Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. And you sent me those first 23 picks. And I was like, wow, like, Kalabali is available. Ryan Rupert's available. Bryce Sensabaugh is available. Like, all these guys are available, except Chris Murray. But, um, yeah, he went like 19 in that draft. And you see that a lot. You see him going to the Warriors a lot if he doesn't go to the Kings on some of these mocks. But, Man, I don't know. Twenty four is not like the most high uh, pick, obviously, but in this one, man, I, I just I like the pool of talent in this one. I think a lot of people agree, and there's just a lot of different options that should be available at that range. One of them being Colby Jones out of Xavier, who is kind of he's kind of a guy that's been connected, not connected with the Kings, I guess. I mean, he might have done a workout with Sacramento. But in terms of like pretty good defender, high IQ, solid three-point shooter with catch-and-shoot upside, seems like a hard worker and could possibly be a rotational guy as a rookie, uh, Kobe Jones is, is one of those guys that makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. And I could definitely see the Kings taking him. But it's also, you know, and I guess you're just going to get into this discussion whenever. It's like, who else is going to be on the board? You're probably going to hear me say that a bunch of times here but um kobe jones six five not positionally big but in terms of a guy that works hard again has a great feel for the game he's a good processor he can play make but probably more likely in the nba especially as a rookie being off ball he's i think he shot about 38 percent in his previous year at xavier and he's got all the projections as a, as a floor spacing catch and shoot fella and it's like also one of those guys where you start looking at the weaknesses. Like, where what are Kobe Jones' weaknesses? It's like, oh, he's not a self-creator. He didn't have a great pull-up game. And um, he needs to kind of work on finishing through traffic and contact outside of runners and floaters. It's like, those are weaknesses that you can mitigate and that won't really shine in, you know, in the role that he would have with a team like the Kings. So Kobe Jones is... Seems like the type of guy that, similar to Chris Murray, just seems to check a lot of boxes that you think Monty McNair and company would really like to see. And I think he, I've seen a lot of Kings analysts talk about liking Colby Jones. So he's kind of a guy that you see pop up on a lot of people's radars in terms of the Kings. And I just feel like if he was a little, a little bigger, it'd be, it'd be great because you're kind of limiting his defensive versatility. But that's a guy that I think you can mold into a really good NBA player. And he's not far off from that coming out of the draft, I think. Also on Colby Jones, he's like another guy that has familiarity with some actions that they run in the NBA, including the dribble handoff, I guess. is. I mean, obviously, it's not like the Kings are the only team that uses the dribble handoff, but it's just it's one of those things that after a season of watching the Kings, watching how DeMontis Sabonis can help set up for so many different guys, and whatnot it's just a it's a good thing to know that he'll be able to fit in and again a guy that that's high iq and has a good ability to process and have a good feel for the game it's gonna probably squeeze in anywhere Mm -hmm. transitioning to three guys that i think are a little more i guess projects but really high defensive upsides and athleticism and, and and physical traits with some variance in terms of like shooting an offensive game and stuff like that. But Leonard Miller, Ryan Rupert, and City Suzoko, I think are also guys that are in the range of the Kings in the mock drafts. Um, 
some mock drafts might have him going to the Kings. Although I can't, I think there might be a few that have Leonard Miller going to the Kings. And there might be a few that have like City Suzuko falling to 38 to the Kings. I don't know how that'll go, but all these guys, I guess what I'm saying are within grasp of Sacramento. I guess starting with Leonard Miller, who was pre-combine. Leonard Miller was a guy that was, I think, projected to be kind of maybe just a little bit ahead of the Kings. I think his stock fell coming out of the combine. I think he was a little more one of the bigger disappointments of the combine. But, you know, at 6'9", 7'2", wingspan, he's a high-energy guy, played for the G League Ignite. Does a lot of hard work in terms of like on the boards and like some blue collar stuff. He's a good finisher at the rim. Obviously that length and athleticism, that body, that activity makes him a great defensive prospect. And it helps that he can handle a little bit. I would say the biggest concern with Leonard Miller is he might have the ugliest jump shot out of a lot of these prospects. Like that is a, that needs a complete overhaul from what I understand you can see it yourself. You read it from scouts and from like draft gurus. They're like, ooh, that's not a great shot. And like I said, if you look at it for yourself, Leonard Miller's jump shot, it, it like I said, it needs an overhaul. It's not going to come in and make an effect. He, you know, obviously, young player consistency on defense always needs some work. And he's also extremely turnover prone, as I understand it. So you're looking at a situation where maybe that doesn't so much come into play given a role at the NBA level as a young player, but something to keep in mind. But Leonard Miller, I think, is a guy that pops up a lot. And I think of these three guys, he's kind of the least exciting to me. And maybe that has something to do with the jump shot. Cause like I could see like Leonard Miller like having a job in the NBA, but he would be like maybe one of those offensive liabilities. Like, oh what a great defender. And maybe I'm pulling this out of my ass because it's like so young at this point. It sometimes depends on where these guys go and how they develop them. But I would say probably my favorite of the three that I mentioned is, is Ryan Rupert, who played for the New Zealand Breakers. And they everybody says he got like a 7'3 wingspan. I think he measured it at 7'2", which is still incredibly good and still one of the best positionally. Yeah. And uh, great athlete, active defender. He can also dribble and finish a bit, similar to Leonard Miller. Probably a little bit more of a boost in that department is the fact that he dribbles and finishes with both hands very accurately or very efficiently. I think he broke his dominant. I think his, I think he's a dominant right-handed guy. I think he like broke his wrist at one point during the season and was out for a couple weeks. And he came back and he was so much better with his left hand. He'd clearly taken that opportunity with not having his dominant hand to work on his left hand. And the strides, as noted by Adam Spinella, were palpable, discernible. You could see it. So that's good. You know, he's a guy that is constantly trying to expand his game and work on his weaknesses, I guess. But similar to Leonard Miller, obviously not as bad of a shot, but needs to really establish his shot and his shooting consistency, finishing without just relying on runners. And he's... Not really projected to be much of a creator for himself, but those physical traits, and you know, especially when you're talking about somebody that's really going to be able to affect the game defensively. Like talking about mock drafts, I feel like I see Ryan Rupert go really early in the second round or like at the tail end of the first round. But I mean, like the Kings at 24, especially if like some other more kind of um, complimentary names. Or names that would complement the Sacramento Kings and what they're trying to do well. If they're not there, I mean, like Ryan Rupert seems like a great option at 24. I really like Ryan Rupert. I mean, I think in terms of a project, a guy that you can kind of develop. I mean, I like Colabali better, but Ryan Rupert is is solid. The Frenchman. I know all the Frenchmen because C D Sissoko is French as well, right? Yeah, and um, that national team a couple of years, dude. Well, freaking Wembenyama can stay healthy. Oh yeah, and, and him dead. It's crazy. It's a lot yeah. of French guys. Yeah, move over, Rudy Gobert. For real. Yeah. Speaking about Suzoko, though, I mean, again, athletic. Um, not the not as great of a wingspan as the other two, only at six ten, but he's six six. Good body on him with his strong frame, which that combined with athleticism. 
might make him like I don't know because the length and you know Leonard Miller's six nine and Rupert is six seven, but it's you know Suzuko is only six six, but still that frame mixed with the athleticism could potentially make him the most versatile of the three. I don't want to really get into that because they all seem to project to be very versatile defensively, but he is probably the one that in terms of handling and playmaking and passing is the best out of these three because G League Ignite commentators will refer to City Suzuko while Scoot Henderson is on the same team. They'll sometimes refer to Suzuko as the best passer on the team. Now, I don't know how true that is. I don't know if they, they, maybe they mean to say best passer on the floor, but I've read that in a few places. So just keep throwing that out there. Um, He's got catch and shoot upside. Doesn't really obviously show the shot so much now. The consistency still needs to get better. But, you know, I think the, the ability to be a great defender in terms of being quick and strong and kind of having a good feel uh, when the ball is in his hands in terms of where it needs to go. That's always kind of a good thing. And, you know, as a catch-and-shoot upside guy, you're hoping he could just squeeze in and help space out the floor a little bit and not have to take on a huge offensive role. Because, again, and this is why I group these guys together. It's like a lot of them have the same strengths. I mean, some of them are better than the other, obviously. But it's like, will they create for themselves? Will they come in and light it up from three to start in the NBA. It's like, no, they need some time. They need some, some work, but the physical tools, the athleticism are all great. And there are obviously pretty significant differences between these three guys. It seems like from what I read in terms of where they go, it typically goes in that order. Like I think Leonard Miller is typically somewhere around pick 20. Like I said, Rupert is kind of late first round, early second round. And then City Sissoko, who I don't think it was like this earlier, like a couple of weeks ago, but he's just consistently a second round pick now. So that's interesting. Again, I don't know how that'll end up going on draft night, but those are three guys that are they're certainly intriguing. I like, I like City Sissoko. Um, I did a post last week on like notable mock drafts then who they had at 24 and the athletic actually had city Suzuko going at 24. So, but you know, you're saying he's dropping. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like Rupert and Suzuko Rupert with that long wingspan, you know, it's kind of interesting. Kings need some defense and I mean, just length in general is always at a premium in the NBA. So he's what six foot seven with a seven foot three wingspan. Mm-hmm. That could you know, definitely come in handy. Suzoko being a good passer and being a def- with the defensive upside. I don't know, it just seems like a lot of these guys and in, in this point in the draft, it's either you're a good shooter or you're a good defender. <laughs> Maybe you can develop the jump shot. Um, but it's like those project pieces with the good length already there. I think you can never go wrong with that. I feel like a lot of guys have that same characteristics that could go to the Kings and pick 24 or with their uh, second round picks, you know? Well, I would throw another guy out there. Bobby Clintman, the Swede out of Wake Forest, is like in simple terms, really projects to be a three and D guy. He's got very good shooting upside. I don't know what he, what did he shoot at uh, Wake Forest? I'll pull that up, but great defensive versatility. They have him listed as a power forward, but extremely long Bobby Clintman is a guy that is definitely moving up mock drafts. And I think he's even getting like first round talk. Like there are a couple mock drafts where he goes ahead of Ryan Rupert, which is interesting. And yeah, here it is. He shot 36.8% from deep on 2.3 attempts per game. So it's like in terms of kind of coming in to the NBA and making a difference uh, defensively and with the jump shot, you know, Clintman, it can projectably do it. It's got a smooth high release. He he has a very good comfort in transition, both filling lanes and pushing it after a rebound. Again, he's 6'10, 225 pounds. So he's already got the body. Like he can play on the wing. He can play the power forward position. That's 225 pounds. That's the weight of like Harrison Barnes right there. So 
you know, I mean, he obviously needs a little bit more coaching on defense. He's coming out as a freshman, but this is a guy that I think might be more on track for kind of having that two way kind of effect maybe than the other guys. I think the other guys have higher ceilings probably, but Bobby Clinton is still at 6'10", 225 pounds. His wingspan is his same as his height, which means he doesn't have all that special of a wingspan. But he's got great shooting upside. He's definitely got the best shooting upside Yeah, out of the other three. And defensively, I mean, he's like right there with them. Um, but he's Swedish. That could be weird. <laughs> Swedish fish? Does he know how to make them? Con- controversial opinion. I love Swedish fish. Dude, I love Swedish fish too. I don't think that's controversial at all. Do people not like them? Yeah, well, I typically tell people, like, what's your favorite candy? And I'd be like, Almond Joy and Swedish Fish. Not, like, together, but (laughs) I get very weird looks. Really? Yeah. Swedish Fish are delicious. They're freaking better than Sour Patch Kids. They're better than, like, gummy bears. Yeah, better than gummy. I wouldn't say they're better than gummy worms. Sour gummy worms are, are you saying sour gummy worms or regular worms? Yeah, sour gummy worms are pretty great hey you should try black forest it's like a brand they're non-sour gummy worms just like the regular gummy worms those are actually really good nice yeah what is it called buy my i'll just grab some next time next time i'm over at your place i'm gonna bring up a whole bag we're gonna down them they're delicious by the end of the afternoon (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the sour ones are just classic the trolleys but the Black Forest ones are just made with like, they're made with, I don't know. I feel like every place has this. Like, they're made with real fruit juice. But like this one, like, <laughs> you can actually tell. It's like, oh, shoot. They, they like taste juicy when you bite into them. It's interesting. Oh, that's nice. Kind of like a gusher or? Maybe not so much like a gusher. Not like, they more, <laughs> it still it sounds weird, but they almost feel like moist when you bite into them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that I, I, sounds I think, appealing I, to you, but I it's, think it's I know better than mean. it sounds. Because like gelatin type stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Oh. The viewers at home will have to check it out. You can get a, a 10% off coupon <laughs> courtesy of Cap City Crown. Just put in the, the code Cap City Crown 1. And you, you know, hopefully yeah, that and, works for at you. your checkout. See what happens. <laughs> Tell them Tony sent you. <laughs> but um, Bobby Clinton. But yeah, off of Bobby Clintman, kind of, I guess, sticking to defense if we want. Andre Jackson Jr. off uh, the national champion UConn, UConn Huskies is an interesting kind of option. It's 6'6", just short of 200 pounds, but a 6'10 wingspan and was one of the greatest defenders in college basketball. Long, athletic, projects to guard the one through the four, probably the one through the three to start because he's only 200 pounds but great instincts excellent reaction time discipline doesn't get caught in the air doesn't foul a ton he's a junior coming out of yukon so he's got enough basketball under his belt to feasibly come in and try to make an impact early but he's only a junior at 21 so he's not super old and whatnot so he's still going to be a first but he could potentially be a first round pick great leaping ability runs in transition uh, would be kind of his main, I guess, offensive output. Also, was a 4.7 assist guy per game. So he's got some... Play- yeah, well, how many times do we say that about guys? Yeah, great defense and uh, some playmaking ability. That seems to be the most common profile, I think, in this draft. Yeah. But it's the simple thing about Andrew Jackson. He's just not a good shooter. And like the, like you'll see guys shoot short, poor percentages in college. But... A, they're either really young or a, B, they're really young and they have the upside. Like the mechanics are kind of there. There's They have some amount of touch that's there. But with Andre Jackson Jr. being a, a junior at 21, really no baseline of good shooting mechanics. He shot 28% on his threes and they, it doesn't look great when he does it. And I think like his, his shooting forced you i mean they won the national championship so it all worked out but they had to kind of make some schematic changes to try to 
keep him on the floor, not have his offensive shortcomings basically be exploited by opposing teams. So, I mean, that, that, that says a lot about his shooting, but then uh, that also might say something about maybe an ability for an NBA team to figure out something for him. But, you know, I bring him up cause he's a great defender, but then I also like, you, you just kind of think about that shooting situation. You're just like, Second round pick for Andre Jackson Jr. would be good, but I just I don't see the Kings or really any team wasting a first not wasting I don't want to say waste a first round pick on him, but that just doesn't seem like the type of guy the Kings would want at twenty four. But I think if you could get Andre Jackson at thirty eight, that could be pretty good because you'd be getting you know somebody that could I don't know maybe develop into kind of taking on a Kessler Edwards type role. I think the one thing about Kessler Edwards was when he came out of Pepperdine, he had a shooting upside, you know, like the whole thing was like his shooting base is a little off, but the the top half is there with Andre Jackson. It's really none of that. Like nobody talks about anything good in a shot as far (laughs) as I'm aware. And so the more and more I keep talking about it, the more and more I'm like, "Eh, maybe let him go somewhere else. But who knows? Defense is one of the things that the Kings really need to work on. And if he's a high character, high work ethic guy, you know, Monty McNair and company might have a higher evaluation of him. But he's interesting. Coming from a winning team, too, I think you have to throw that out there. He was a, a big contributor on a team that won. I think that can take you pretty far. So he's an interesting one. He's definitely interesting to talk about, but not super enthralling, I would say. Andre Jackson Jr. Maybe Andre Jackson Sr. Where's he at? (laughs) Andre Andre Jackson III. Andre Jackson Sr. Yeah. I don't know who that is. But uh, we got another junior at the wing position out of UCLA. Jaime Aquez Jr. Probably one of the more interesting players in the draft. I think he's very likable in the sense that he's a bit of a Swiss army knife, does a little bit of everything, great IQ, feel for the game, good leadership. Like I said, does a little bit of everything, but is, is kind of a jack of all trades, master of none type of guy. Uh, I guess his mastery is in like the mid-range game and kind of the ability to work in the high post with that mid-range fadeaway. He's got great footwork, patience, touch on that shot. He, he hits his open threes, Got great field and IQ, like I said, both with the ball in his hands and without the ball in his hands. And like defensively, as I'll get to, he's not exceptional because he's not an exceptional athlete, but he's got the baseline of positional defense and team defense. So he can somehow squeeze into things and help a defense out in some way. But again, he's not laterally quick, so it's hard to envision him guarding guards, and it's difficult envisioning him guarding bigger guys. He weighed in at 226 pounds, so he's got a decent frame to him, but he's not ext- not known as extremely strong. So I guess he'd be guarding strictly threes, but he's only 6'6", not super yeah. long. I like him, though. He's he's one, one of the more favorable guys you wrote about. Um I just like I like his versatility. Does a does a lot of things well. Um, high high basketball IQ kind of player. Someone like you can hopefully develop into maybe like a decent backup small forward on the team. It sounds like maybe a starter. I don't know because he he's projected like in the second round, right? Yeah. Well, like I said, I think the yard yard breaker was SB SB Nation has him going to Sacramento at twenty four, which I just. Like, I don't think you want to expend a first round pick on him. I like mm. him a lot. I think you could get great value out of him, great value out of him in the second round. One of the big questions about him is he handled the ball a lot. He had a very high usage rate. And mm-hmm. He's kind of the center of things at UCLA with like Amari Bailey and whatnot. In the NBA, he's not going to have the ball that much. Is he going to be able to have that kind of effect? In Good some point. ways, I wonder he, if he will. But in other ways, it's like if you're talking about him in maybe like a bench role, maybe he could be a bit of a a glue guy for the bench. I mean, I think he'll be able to figure something out to help the team. I think he's a mix of skills that's not first-round talent to me, especially at his age, you know, coming out as a senior at age 22. I, I'm surprised that people have him as a first-round pick. 
but he's just such a legitimate basketball player that like in terms of doing a little bit of everything, it's hard not to see him doing something. I, I don't know if I could envision what his role would be, but it's like, if you're going to trust a guy to kind of figure into some kind of role that works. And I think he's smart enough and understands enough to the point where it's like, he's got to know that his role is not going to be as versatile as it was at UCLA. It's going to be more acute and more specific to whatever strengths NBA teams see him having, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because I don't know. He doesn't really seem like a huge risk if you're taking him outside the first round. Mm-hmm. But kind of moving on to another couple of guys that are similar um, that maybe the Kings consider at 24. The first guy I like a lot out of Belmont, Ben Shepard, 6'6", small forward, just a great shooter. I think throughout his whole college career, um, and he's a senior, so all four years I think he shot like 37%. And then in his senior year, he shot 41.5% on six attempts. Very good in catch and shoot, coming off of movement. He's got a very nice, smooth form, the quick release. Citing Adam Spinella again, he said he's really good at the Chicago action, which is something a lot of NBA teams use. Obviously, the Kings use it a lot because it's that pin down screen action followed by a dribble handoff, typically. And so coming out of that, getting a shot up out of that, and I mean, he's able to relocate, figure out ways to be open on the perimeter, effective three-point shooter that should translate right away. Good feel of the game uh, as a passer. He averaged 2.9 assists as a senior. I think a large part of that has to do with the fact that he was a point guard in high school. That seems so long ago. He's a senior in college now, but still it seemed to affect his game. Just had a good feel out of the pick and roll, kicking the ball out or dumping it off to a dunker or whatnot. I don't know if you'd see him doing that a ton in the NBA, but it's an option, especially if you have that that outside shot you might be able to attack some hard closeouts and pick up some assists in the in, along the way. He's got good height and length with, like I said, good IQ and instinct. So he's got some defensive like skills there. He's probably more of kind of projects to be a good weak side defender, jumps passing lanes. Well, has shown glimpses of being an on-ball defender, but, and he was like, Part of his conference is all defensive team, but that was the Missouri Valley conference. It's not like a power conference, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not like that doesn't really say a ton in terms of what he'd do at the NBA level. And I think it's fair to note that athletically speaking, he doesn't move his feet all that well, despite being, what, 6'5", 190, 195 pounds. He doesn't move his feet all that well. And as I just kind of laid out there, 195 pounds, doesn't have the strongest frame. And so it's like, who, how will he hold up guarding NBA players, maybe bigger forwards, quicker guards, and then kind of like those two things can meet a lot in the middle in the NBA. Guys are strong and quick. So that's interesting. But with a shot like his, regardless of his defensive shortcomings, which really just need coaching probably more than anything, and maybe some addition of muscle. With that shooting, I just feel like he just seems kind of like a guy that could be an effective rotational player in his first couple of years in the NBA. And uh, I think, I think this is probably one of the things that really puts him with in, in play with the Kings is that Brett Siegel of clutch sports. He came to the conclusion that he thinks Ben Shepard is a, uh, what is the quote? I have to get it here. Hi, one of the highest character guys. The, the yeah. exact quote is, um, yeah, it's like one of the, he may have the best attitude and character in this draft, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah, you know, Monty likes to draft high-character guys. He's only drafted high-character guys since he's been in Sacramento, but also kind of like he's a good shooter, and he can probably fit into the Kings game plan right away. He, I, I mean, it makes makes sense, a lot of sense for, that, for him to be picked by the Kings. I like him a lot. Again, it's like the defense and who is he going to guard off the bat is a question, but I think that that can get ironed out. And the character and attitude and work ethic thing definitely plays into that. But a guy that's, I guess, maybe not 100% similar, but kind of being a, a shooter, 
late first round, early second round kind of prospect. Julian Strother out of Gonzaga, 6'7". A junior, 40.8% from three in his last season for the Zags. He kind of citing another Spinella nugget. He says that he's extremely good out of the ghost screen pick and pop, which like, and, and to finish that, Spinella added that he would match up very well with a star guard because on that ghost screen pick and pop where he, he fades off. If you have a guy that is like Darren Fox, which might, you know, get two defenders on him and leave that guy open. And the ghost screen you see a lot with Fox, especially in like late shot clock or late clock situations to end a quarter or a half, you'll see the ghost screen come out and they might be able to set up something with that. Well, you got a guy that's experienced at that, that could really hurt teams, really keep teams honest. I mean, you, you pair that up with the guy that might be one of the hardest guys to stay in front of uh, in De'Aaron Fox. That could be a hell of a, of, of, a, of, a, of a mix. I mean, you might be able to say that about other guys. There's a lot of good shooters that might be available there, but that's a guy that, that did that a lot. And, you know, playing at Gonzaga, uh, Drew Timmy, he played with with Strother, and that was a good passing big out of Gonzaga, fittingly for Sabonis. So he, he he would benefit from playing with a star guard, and he's very comfortable playing with a good passing uh, big man. So in terms of overlap with the Kings or being able to just transition to a certain system, seems like he would be a pretty decent fit for the Kings. Um, I think anytime you have a good passing big and a, a, a guard like Darren Fox, if you can shoot a little bit, maybe defend, like that's a pretty good pairing. But getting more specific there, there's some things to, to, to highlight. He's also, and I think Mike Brown would like this a lot, he's a great rebounder positionally. I think he averaged over six rebounds a game. And he can attack a little bit, which you don't necessarily always see with like shooters and whatnot. Maybe it, he benefits from it from his shooting threat, but he can get to the rim a little bit. Defensively is probably where his weakness is. He's not super versatile in terms of strength or quickness. Kind of same issue with a lot of these other guys. I think one of the big red flags about him defensively is he'll lose his assignment a lot. Just totally lose sight of the guy. He can lack off-ball awareness. I don't know how easy that is to coach, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. And like, it seems like with Ben Shepard and Julian Strother, it's like getting good shooters, kind of guys that play the right way. You're not getting the best defenders, obviously, but they're guys that, you know, similar to what we were saying about Keontae Johnson and Seth Lundy last week as second round talent, like late first round, early second round talent. I could really see Ben Shepard and Julian Strother having no issue finding the right route to have an NBA career where they're rotational guys for the vast majority of it. And I think in this modern NBA, shooting has so much to do with that. And both of those guys proved that they were very, very, very good shooters and effective uh, in college throughout their careers um, with Shepard being a senior and Strother being a junior. But Gotta like those guys. Yeah. No, they were guys who could, like I said about Shepard, just fit in seamlessly with how they played in college with the Kings. Right now, who who do you think is going to go at 24? Just If I had to guess... Um, not, yeah, not just who you want, but who you think will drop down to 24 and you think the Kings will select. Like if I had to bet on the Kings picking one guy. Yeah, there you go. Do you have an answer off the top of your head while I think about it for a second? Uh, not really. I, I For some reason, I think it's going to be Chris Murray. I think, I don't know, I feel like I was against it last week. I'm like, nah, this is just for, you know, for captions and stuff because you want to pair him with his twin. But I don't know, the more I think about it and I feel like maybe he will drop to 24 and might be the best player available at that point. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's To me, it's seeming more likely like Chris Murray. I think that if I had to guess, like I almost, I'm split. I almost feel like it's the, the highest probability of going to the Kings is either going to be Derek Whitehead or Ryan Rupert. And I don't necessarily have a strong reason why, but I just feel like those guys are in the realm 
where I and I think there's a good chance he'll be available at 24. And I think that's kind of the issue with Chris Murray for me is like, I really just don't know. I mean, even if it's two or three picks out of reach, I still think that that's pretty. I just think he's he's a B- like, before the, 24. I could guy. see I could see the Lakers taking him. I could see the Heat taking him. I could see the Warriors taking him. I could see the Nets taking him. So that's 17, mm-hmm. 18, 19, and basically 21, 22 with the Nets. Um, and you see him going to the Nets a lot and to the Warriors a lot in these mock drafts. But I, I feel like Derek Whitehead is a guy that fits the two-way mold, the shooting mold, the injury thing will keep him coming. Will keep him later in the first round. And if everything checks out there, I, I, I could see the Kings taking him. And then, like I said, Rupert of those three guys we were mentioning, Miller, Rupert, and Suzoko, he's the guy that I think is most suited for pick 24 um, in terms of falling there, being available there, maybe even being the best available prospect at that point. So just kind of a hunch. I feel like those are the two guys that I would be least surprised hearing, or I, I would, I would be more tempted to put money on that the Kings pick. Now, obviously I would never bet on who the 24th pick in the NBA draft is going to be. No, I get you though. Yeah. I, I could, I could see Rupert. For sure. I see him as a likely candidate as well. And there's a guy that, I like we talked about last week, Bryce Sensabaugh at Ohio State. And Bryce Sensabaugh is kind of, again, I don't think it's for anything he's done. I just think other guys' stocks have been rising. So he's kind of fallen into the Kings realm. But I just don't know if there's a ton of connections between him and the Kings. But another shooter, the NBA-level frame, granted not great size, but... That might be a guy that wouldn't be surprised gets drafted. I mean, again, now I'm just going to start <laughs> avalanching into naming everybody. <laughs> I really wouldn't be surprised if they pick, uh, uh, like, name anybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the weird part about this pick. It's unfamiliar territory for the Kings, and um, there's just a ton of people that can be picked in this in this this spot. Yeah, I just think it's historically impossible to mock outside of the lottery, late lottery, yeah. really. Yeah. But, yeah, that, uh, it, uh, maybe a week from now, there'll be a little bit more clarity as to where things will go. But even that clarity could be just a smoke screen, mm-hmm. you know, whether intentional or not. Probably not intentional. It's just the way things work. Because a lot of the people that write these mock drafts, they don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's they're why they're all so too. varied. Yeah, exactly. This is like, is Leonard Miller a first or second round pick? I guess they, they I guess they probably all came together and were like, Victor Wembanyama. I mean, got to be number one. Yeah, I guess. I want to see the first mock draft where they have him going number two. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but I mean, nobody mm-hmm. thought uh, Paolo Bencaro was going to be number one. But I mean, what a great choice! What if he didn't go number one? He just wins rookie of the year dominantly. He was super good. Yeah, that Magic team was an interesting team last year. They're going to be very interesting. Even I mean, they're obviously not going to be a major threat next season. I don't think, but like that's a team that, man, such an interesting mix-up of of young talent and, and size and Bancaro at the center of it, and they'll be able to potentially add somebody at pick six so pick six (laughs) talking football but yeah orlando orlando probably the like people give sacramento shit it's like orlando's probably got to be the worst (laughs) city (laughs) to like have to be trapped in that's fair because it's just a corporate city just run by disney (laughs) it's like no i think that's fair Zach's nice. But next week, stay tuned. We'll probably have more prospects to talk about because I don't even think we've really gotten all of them out of the way. There's still some guys we could talk about. Yeah. He's, yeah. A lot of Which, prospects. Which, thank goodness for us, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's not a lot going on in the uh, the world of basketball for the Kings right now. But so we'll have one more podcast until the draft, which is in 10 days from today, nine days from when you're listening um so yeah it's it's approaching quick and st- we still have no idea who the kings will pick and like john said maybe we'll have more clarity 
next week when we jump on the podcast. But yeah, John did a great job breaking down these guys. Um, if you want to hear more about some of the guys the Kings can draft, you should check out capcitycrown.com. John's put out a lot of articles, or you can check out our episode 60 podcast where he broke down some of the other guys' game and what they could bring to the Kings. But all right. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Um, until next time, have a good one.